This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the Internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn and via satellite Eurosat 16A on 11.512 MHz vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east, symbol rate 29.950 mega symbols per second, standard DVB S2, modulation 8 PSK, audio PID 510. We wish you good reception conditions. Welcome, I am Mihaela Ignatescu with the news. The headlines. The custodian of the Romanian crown, Margareta, is in London to attend the state funeral service for Queen Elizabeth II. Romania's capital, Bucharest, celebrates its 563rd anniversary. And Romania's women's handball champions, Rapid, and the vice-champions, CSM, take on today opponents from France in Champions League games. Her Majesty Margareta, custodian of the Crown of Romania and Prince Consort Radu, take part today at Buckingham Palace in the state reception given by King Charles III of Great Britain, the royal family of Romania informs. The cited source states that during the evening Her Majesty Margareta and Prince Radu will hold vigil besides the coffin of Queen Elizabeth II in Westminster Hall. The custodian of the Crown and the Prince Consort arrived in London on Saturday to attend the state funeral of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The custodian of the Crown is the daughter of the last sovereign of Romania, King Michael I, who reigned between 1940 and 1947, when the communist puppet government, installed by the Soviet occupation troops, forced him to abdicate and go into exile. The Romanian and British royal houses are related. The Czech Presidency of the European Union requested the establishment of a special international tribunal after the discovery of hundreds of bodies buried near Izum, a city in eastern Ukraine recaptured by Kiev's troops after months of Russian occupation. In the 21st century, such attacks against the civilian population are inconceivable and heinous, the Czech Foreign Minister Jan Lipovsky said on Twitter. Ukrainian authorities reported 450 bodies of civilians bearing signs of violent death and torture, buried in a forest on the outskirts of Izum. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has announced that the exhumation process continues, also stating that torture was a widespread practice in the occupied territories and that the Russian fascists are doing what the Nazis did. The president promises to find the culprits on the battlefield or in justice. The US President Joe Biden once again warned his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin against the use of chemical or nuclear weapons in Ukraine. Such a measure would change the course of the war like never before since the Second World War, Biden said, promising a substantial response of the United States if this step were taken.
The General Inspectorate of the Border Police informs that on Saturday, September 17th, 241,400 people crossed Romania's borders, of which 11,173 were Ukrainian citizens, 4.3% more than on the previous day. According to a press release from the inspectorate sent to the media on Sunday, starting on February 10th, two weeks before the Russian army invaded their country, 2,339,683 Ukrainian citizens entered neighboring Romania. Numerous cultural events are scheduled today in the capital of Romania to mark 563 years since Bucharest was first mentioned in documents. Today's capital was first named on September 21, 1459, in a document issued by Vlad the Impaler, the then voivode of the medieval principality of Wallachia, and later a source of inspiration for the famous fictional character Dracula by the Irish writer Bram Stoker. Following the votes of more than 500,000 tourists from all over the world, the city of Orada in the northwest of the country holds the sixth place among the top destinations suitable for both city break trips and extended holidays, reads a Facebook post by the Romanian Ministry of Tourism. According to the European Best Destinations ranking, Orada is considered a model for many destinations in Romania, with a surprising architectural landscape and a diverse cultural program. Designated this year as the most beautiful Art Nouveau destination in Europe, Orada deserves to be on the list of tourist destinations that must be visited at least once in a lifetime, the ministry representatives say. And now sports, the Romanian women's handball champion Rapid Bucharest plays today at home against the French team Mets, its second match in Group B of the Champions League. A week ago in the first match, Rapid defeated in Croatia the team Lokomotiva Zagreb, 31-27. Also today, Romania's vice-champion CSM Bucharest will meet, away from home, another French team, Brest, in a match from Group A of the league. In the first game, the Romanians beat the Slovenian team Krim Ljubljana at home 30-28. Bucharest is the only European capital that has two teams in the most important continental women's inter-club handball competition. And that was the news from Bucharest, Radio Romania International. This is Radio Romania International Broadcasting from Bucharest. Sunday Show Dear friends, this is Mihaela Ignatescu welcoming you to a fresh installment of Sunday Show, the program that brings you a brief selection of some of the most popular shows we have broadcast for you over the past week. The new school year has just started in Romania and authorities have come up with changes, which have spawned lots of controversy among teachers and parents. In Society Today, we told you more about that. A number of major changes to education legislation presented for public debate in early summer have stirred controversies, as well as fiery responses from teachers, 
parents and students. Any side of the polemic, however, agrees with obvious facts. The dropout rate is high, the degree of functional illiteracy among students is growing, the rate of promotion for the high school graduation exam, the baccalaureate, is way below expectations. Controversies emerge when solutions are proposed, and the ones proposed this time by the line ministry are little liked by teachers and students. One of the changes that are proposed is related to admission into high schools. Eighth graders have to take the so-called national evaluation, which is compulsory, but now would also have to take an exam for admission into so-called national colleges. These are public high schools with a certain tradition of excellence, considered somehow elite. This proposal for a separate exam although supported by school representatives through the Alliance of Centennial Colleges, is not to the liking of the National Federation of Parents' Associations, as we found out from its president, Julian Christakin. We are the only national representative federation. We have established that when the Ministry of Education makes a fundamental change in the system, we should run a poll of our numbers. And over the last two years, we have had an impressive number of responses. The latest poll regarding admission into colleges and the changes in the graduation exam, the one proposed by the ministry in its latest bill, had over 65,000 respondents. Over 65% of parents are opposed to this proposed admission exam. Our federation agrees. Right now, the colleges where kids get admitted with very high grades, we have the possibility of selecting among the students and form elite classes in the first place. We don't know why we need to have another exam, subjecting the children to additional pressure in a very short amount of time. They already have to pass the national evaluation, and I suspect that in two weeks at the most, they would have to take yet another very high difficulty exam, not only in the regular subjects they get tested on, but also in the subjects approved by the boards of schools. Another worry regarding this proposal is caused by the social and economic inequality between town and village, and between large and small cities. National colleges are customarily in large cities and are generally the venue for kids from families with enough income to live in said big cities as well as to afford private lessons that allow their children access to these top-tier schools. Many teachers believe that an additional exam would deepen the chasm between thriving and disadvantaged areas. Among them is Doro Castellan, a social sciences teacher at a high school in the city of Galazzi. As I said, to me this is an unfortunate and discriminatory measure. It is a measure that would only deepen already deep problems in the system. Also, I added the fact that it may not necessarily be too bad of a measure if conditions would be provided for these exams to be made compulsory across the system. 
However, as long as only some would be permitted to have an additional exam, considering that we already have a national evaluation, I don't think this measure would have the intended effect. On the contrary, it would only make things worse. This new education reform bill also takes aim at the baccalaureate, or a high school graduation exam. It would introduce a few new areas that would test together a few related disciplines. Social sciences teacher Doro Castellano notes that this would mean clarifying a few terms first. Let us talk first about standardization, then about cramming things together. Standardization could be taken in its narrowest meaning, that of testing based on closed items, such as multiple choice, with certain subjects unsuitable for that, such as Romanian language and literature. There has been much talk about eliminating the human factor from testing. However, you can only eliminate human error by having a standardization that allows for computer tallying. Until everyone has a clear idea of what standardization means, we will continue to express confusion and worry about pressing together or all the curriculum into a single item. I understand that in the meantime they gave up on cramming in their Romanian language and literature and having it separately. Again, I ask how this standardization would be achieved. In principle, it is impossible to have a single common test for all the competencies in the basic education module. Such a test would be very hard to design so that it would be relevant. Since we've talked about education, I think it's the right time to learn something, more precisely some Romanian, but definitely without tears. In the last decade, real estate developers have been taking their land-grabbing undertaking to worrying limits. Quite a few Bucharest's green areas have been dismantled in order to make room for tens of hectares of huge blocks of flats. However, some of the capital city's historical parks are still intact. One such park is the Izvor Park. As usual, we begin with a bunch of words and phrases. Ase afla, to be located. Centrul orașului, city center. Malul drept al râului, Dâmbovița, the right-hand side bank of Dâmbovița River. Waza de verdeață, oasis of greenery. Dreptunghi, rectangle. Now, let us use some of the words and phrases above in meaningful communicative patterns. Parcul Izvor se află în centrul capitalei. The Izvor Park is located in the city center of Romania's capital city. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Parcul Izvor este situat pe malul drept al râului Dâmbovița, în apropierea Palatului Parlamentului. The Izvor Park is located on the right-hand side bank of Dumbovica River, nearby the Parliament Palace. Este o oază de verdeață într-o mare de betoane. It is an oasis of greenery in a sea of ferro-concrete buildings. Este foarte verde. Pot sta pe o bancă să respiri puțin aer curat. It is very green. It can sit on a bench and breathe a bit of fresh air. Parcul are formă de dreptunghi cu suprafață de 17 hectare. 
the park has the shape of rectangle with a surface area of 17 hectares. La Revedere. As you may know already, Romania boasts lots of beautiful places, many of which we have described for you in our regular shows. In Visit Romania, we took you to one of the oldest spas in the world, Băile Herculane. First documented nearly 1900 years ago, Băile Herculane is known for the therapeutic properties of the mineral waters in the area, which have been capitalized on ever since the Roman period. Nearly two millennia ago, the Romans built the first thermal baths here. In the 18th century, the Austrians rediscovered the therapeutic effects of Baile Herculane and built the infrastructure for spa treatment. In the 19th century, the old town was built around the resort. At the end of World War II, with the development of tourism, Baile Herculane became known to tourists around the world. At present, the spa is very modern. There are well-equipped hotels that offer European standard treatment programs, including a variety of procedures – magnetotherapy, shortwave and infrared thermal therapy, ultrasound, electrotherapy designed to stimulate muscle tissue and relieve pain, galvanic baths, aerosols for treating respiratory disease and allergies, as well as kinesiotherapy. Beyond all that, the result also offers spa and wellness programs. Ioana Marian, the founder of the despresspa.ro platform, told us more. At a spa resort in Baile Herculane, men can opt for the Hercules is Me ritual, a revitalization ritual that starts with a thermal bath with a high concentration of sulfur. After 20 minutes, they cool down for another 20 minutes, Then they go for a 75-minute massage session. Ladies can opt for the Aphrodite ritual, which starts with a spa circuit that includes sauna with Aphrodite herbs, basil, sage, rosemary, thyme and a cocktail of plants, all endemic to Baile Herculane area. The next procedure is sauna, followed by a 75-minute massage session with local made honey. Iwana Marin. As for the tourist attractions of Baile Herculane, the most important is the old town, which has been partly renovated. There are many pavilions built in the first half of the 19th century, clustered around the statue of Hercules. Not far away, there are other heritage buildings, such as the casino, the Austrian imperial baths and the villa that used to be the residence of the Austro-Hungarian Empress Elizabeth, better known as Sisi, who had developed a passion for Baile Herculane and its outskirts. There is also an impressive panoramic view of the area at the top of the nearby mountain overlooking Cherna Valley. Visitors can also opt for one-day trips to the Danube cauldrons, monasteries or the bigger waterfall. Many interesting events have been staged in Bucharest lately, like the special exhibition devoted to female sculptors in Romania, which we told you about in our regular show Cultural Event. A special exhibition has been organized at the beginning of autumn in the heart of the capital at the Shutsu Palace, one of the headquarters of the Bucharest Municipality Museum. It is the first in a series of exhibitions dedicated to female sculptors in Romanian art. This exhibition is dedicated to Elena Surdustanescu and is called Timeless. The exhibition comes 
as an artistic and life crowning as the sculptor Elena Surdustanescu turned 80 on September 15th, a graduate of the Bucharest Arts High School and the Art Institute. Elena Surdustanescu has been a permanent presence in Romanian artistic life for 50 years. We talked about this lunch with the deputy director of the Bucharest Municipality Museum and the curator of the exhibition, Elena Olariu. În această toamnă, Muzeul Municipiului București, prin secția de artă pe care o deține... This autumn, the Bucharest Municipality Museum, through its art section, presents to the public a genuine royal exhibition. Why do we say this? Because three important names of Romanian sculpture will exhibit in the Shutsu Palace, right in the center of Bucharest, near the university building. It is an emblematic building for Bucharest, with extraordinary architecture and... In these wonderful rooms, the first sculptor who will open this royal exhibition is Elena Surdustanescu. The exhibition started on September 9th and runs until October 9th. Henriette Chihoski is the second female sculptor whose work will be exhibited, followed by Doina Lie. It is a unique event in Romania for a museum to present in one season three female sculptors. We want to draw attention to the strength that women represent, even in a very difficult domain, sculpture, which involves a complicated technique that, for centuries, has been the prerogative of men, said Elena Olariu. How does the curator describe the sculptor's personality? Let's see what can be seen in the exhibition. Elena Olariu is back at the microphone. Elena Surdustănescu este o personalitate solară. Elena Surdustănescu is a solar personality. Flight and birds are dominant in her work. She is modeling this flight fantasy in a more special technique. She has made bronze birds, but worked equally with processed paper, making white papier-mâché birds. This is the material she uses in the exhibition at the Shutsu Palace, we even have a construction, actually an installation, as it is called now, where the focus falls on flight, on fabulous birds, white birds. We managed to hang three of them so that they are represented in a perfect flight posture. Another very interesting theme in the creation of Elena Surdustanescu is the moon, this mysterious star an enigmatic star that patronizes our lives, but also instills in us that poetry of the night. So the artist is fascinated by this superb representation of a star that dominates our lives. Love is another theme. She approaches couples in a novel way. She has some sculptures that can also be put on the wall. And we actually mounted them very interestingly directly on the picture rail and it seems that they are floating in nothingness precisely to increase the spectacular character of the presentation. In our regular Radio Romania International Encyclopedia, we brought you the story of the largest daily before the coming of communists in Romania, Universul. The link between the most widely read Romanian daily before World War I and in the interwar years and the staple greater Romania architectural style is provided by the Universal Palace, the headquarters of the newspaper's office. The Universal Daily was inaugurated on August the 20th, 1884. Its founder was the Italian Luigi Cazzavillan. 
Universal became the most widespread Romanian newspaper until its printing was discontinued by the communist regime in the early 1950s. In time, Universal's wide range of supplements increased the paper's numbers of copies sold, turning Universal into the core of a true journalistic empire. A former volunteer in Garibaldi's army, Casavilan settled in Bucharest. He taught Italian, being also the representative of the Bianchi Bicycle Factory. These days, Casavilan has precisely been paid tribute to, thanks to his essential contribution to the development of Romanian popular journalism through widely accessible publications which popularized, without however vulgarizing, cultural and scientific pieces of information. Unfortunately, Casavilan died an untimely death at the age of 52 in early 1904. As for Universal, around the outbreak of the First World War, it was no longer in print. Its editing was later resumed, under the management of different owners, of whom the most famous and longest living was journalist Stelian Popescu. For the most part of the interwar era, until 1943, Stelian Popescu was at the helm of Universal. Also, Stelian Popescu transferred to the content of the newspaper his own right-of-centre political leanings. Universal did not maintain its political neutrality, yet it still was the most widespread newspaper of his time. Also, Universal managed to survive for a little while during the communist regime until 1953. And it is also during Stelian Popescu's management that the interwar headquarters of the editorial office date from. We're speaking about the Universal Palace. Erected following the project of the great architect Paul Smarandescu, the building is tall and imposing. It is a mix of the neo-Romanian style, so very conspicuous in the country's architecture after the Great Union of 1918, and the modernist style. Juana Marinake is an art historian. She will now be speaking about Paul Smarandescu, a prolific architect born on June 16th, 1881. His roots are in one of Bucharest's historical areas, which has remained almost unspoiled to this day. Juana Marinake. He was born in the Muntulasa neighborhood. The young man was born into a well-to-do family. On his mother's, but also on his father's side, he hailed from a family of merchants from across the Danube, which at that time was part of the Ottoman Empire. We're speaking about the Solakolo family. So the young Paul Smarandescu, together with his junior sisters, was born into a family which was part of the thriving bourgeoisie. In late 19th century, he attended the Montulasa Boys Primary School lying nearby. Then he furthered his education with the Matei Basarab High School and, in late 19th century, he sat for the entrance exam with our School of Architecture, which had been founded already. So he went domestic for his junior student years. Later, enjoying the support of his family, he went to the Universal Exhibition in Paris in 1900, where he made contact with the pavilions in the elite of world architecture. And then a U-turn occurred in his career path, a complete change, that is. He would, of course, prepare to sit in for the architecture school entrance exam in France, where his trail was much faster. He earned his French diploma and returned to the country in 1906. And in 1907, he was already on the job, being employed in Bucharest. 
Upon his return to the country, Paulus Marandescu gradually became one of the promoters of the neo-Romanian style, which he nonetheless improved significantly with modernist contributions. Juana Marinaki once again. His activity can be broken down into two directions or two professional paths. One where he's on his own, he has his own office. Concurrently, however, he also had a public position, since he had a job with a public administration. In his early years, he pursued the career of head architect with the Religious Affairs and Public Instructions Ministry, and for the most part of his career, he would work with the Interior Ministry Technical Service, and he retired from there around the Second World War. Towards the final part of his career, he started work for the Interior Ministry Palace, the former headquarters of the Romanian Communist Party's Central Committee and of the Romanian Senate after December 1989, being one year into his retirement and also taking into account certain political changes, where are the final years of Carl II's reign, the building as it is today is the outcome of the work of another architect, his colleague who actually took over from the Interior Ministry, Emil Nadezhde. His versatility enabled him to approach the whole range of styles, from the French eclectic style to the neo-Romanian style. He was one of the noted promoters of that style. Yet in the 1930s, he approached and adapted himself to the commissions of his time, which means he also had tenement buildings or modernist buildings, buildings that were simpler decoration-wise, but which at that time were in fashion. For instance, the modernist buildings of the Maghero Boulevard, which are multi-story buildings. Over 2015 and 2016, the Universal Palace building went through a thorough refurbishment process. However, the shape that was initially designed by Paul Smarandescu was, for its most part, preserved. that's about all from our Sunday show this week. I'm Mihaela Ignatescu. Thank you for listening. Focus on Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Hello and welcome to All That Jazz with me, Elena Enakia. Today's edition features the late pianist Marius Pop, who this month would have turned 87. Let's listen to him first with a song that he composed in 1983, entitled Con Performing Amarius Pop on the piano, Alin Constantiniu clarinet, Iwan Leonte trumpets, Eugen Gondi on drums, Iwan Katianis flute, Eugen Tegu on bass, and Constantin Petrescu percussion.
we end all that jazz today with a song entitled The Ballad, composed by Marius Pop and performed by Marius Pop Band.
Living Romania. You are listening to Radio Romania International. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. In the spotlight. Welcome everyone to a new edition in our series. I am Vlad Palgu. Last week, Romania hosted its annual diplomacy meeting, an event hosted by Bucharest, bringing together representatives of diplomatic missions to Bucharest, as well as other high-ranking foreign officials. The meeting this year was devoted to the headline-grabbing event right now, the war in Ukraine and its impact on decision-making at EU level and beyond. In a pre-recorded message, EU Commissioner for International Partnerships, Jutta Urpilainen, urged European diplomats in Bucharest to join forces in expressing solidarity with Ukraine to help combat the Russian aggression in this country. Dear colleagues, I want to congratulate Romania's diplomats on your 160th anniversary. It's nearly 100 years since Nicolae Titulescu, then at the helm of the League of Nations, called for peace and alliances with all peoples without distinction. He was supporter of what we today call multilateralism. His words still ring true. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has brought war back to Europe. But the crisis is global. From volatility in energy markets to alarming food crises, our partner countries around the world are being hard hit. In times like these, we must pull together. The EU is taking action. Global Gateway Strategy is our positive offer to our partners. It will mobilize sustainable high-standard investments. We promote the SDGs and foster mutually beneficial partnerships on digital, green, transport, education, health and research. We invest in infrastructure and in people. And we do it in a way that upholds universal values and the rule of law. Dear friends, we deliver on Global Gateway as Team Europe. We combine resources and expertise of EU institutions, European financial institutions and you, the member states. Reaching our ambitious goals demands strong private sector involvement. I hope we can work together with Romania and with your businesses as we roll out this exciting initiative across the world. Dear colleagues, you have an important job representing your country on the global stage. We face many very complex challenges. It's important to hear Romania's voice and its perspectives on these pressing global issues. Whether it's working within Team Europe or forging relationships with partners across the world. We are in this together. 
You are listening to Radio Romania International. Back with us on Radio Romania International, the top event in the spotlight today is the annual meeting of Romanian diplomacy, where Romania's Foreign Minister Bogdan Aurescu chaired three thematic sessions, the first of which was dedicated to issues related to the impact of the war in Ukraine on security on NATO's eastern flank and the Black Sea, with the participation from Bucharest as special guests of Minister of Foreign Affairs of Poland, Zbigniew Vrau, and Portugal, João Gomes Cravinho, visiting Romania at the invitation of Foreign Minister Bogdan Aurescu. In his address, Minister Aurescu outlined the top priority for Romania's foreign policy right now, a concerted response at the level of both EU and NATO, namely increasing security on the eastern flank and boosting the alliance's deterrence and defense postures. Russia's aggression against uh, Ukraine is the most significant and direct threat to the peace and stability of the Euro-Atlantic area. We have uh, agreed in our Madrid summit documents that also Russia is the most direct threat against the uh, Euro-Atlantic security. Uh, we already envision long-term consequences of the Russian aggression for the regional security, especially in the Black Sea region, which is used by Russia as a platform to project power in uh, other areas. And such strategic threats impose the need, of course, for urgently increasing the security on the eastern flank. And this is what the Madrid summit decided. The decisions of the uh, Madrid summit need to be implemented because they are about uh, a long-term consolidation of NATO's deterrence and defense posture. And we are confident that a consolidated allied presence in the region, uh, and Poland and Portugal are setting an example in that uh, respect, is key for a more efficient defense. Attending the event, Poland's foreign minister, Zbigniew Rau, addressed the top security challenges facing Romania and Poland in the context of the war in Ukraine. So far, Russia was unable to achieve its strategic goals. It hoped to subjugate Ukraine through a quick, decisive victory and then rapidly change the government in Kiev to a puppet regime. It failed and now tries to secure more limited goals by taking control over Donbass and Kherson with a prospect of annexing these regions. It is prepared to fight a war of attrition to bleed Ukraine white and create conditions for its full subjugation at some point in the future. It vastly underestimated the capacity of the free nations to rely behind Ukraine and assist it with weapons, money and humanitarian support. It will continue to threaten Europe with war including nuclear, to advance its imperial goals, first against Ukraine, then perhaps other nations. As Russia wages war in Europe, Poland and Romania face similar strategic threats and challenges. But we also have common strategic goals. First, to make whatever we can to help Ukraine defend itself. Second, to impose costs on Russia for its war of aggression so that it is stopped and deterred from any further escalation. Third, to strengthen NATO and the EU 
so that both organizations work together to effectively contain Russian imperialism. And fourth, to strengthen transatlantic bond and secure U.S. military presence in Europe. Finally, Portugal's Foreign Minister João Gomes Cravinho focused on dealing with the consequences of the war in Ukraine beyond the immediate military concerns. I would say now that we need to focus on rebuilding our trade routes and above all our supply chains in a manner that keeps on reducing our dependence on Russia. We should pay attention to aggressive Russian behavior in other geographies. In the Atlantic, Russia is a threat to our underwater communications infrastructures. In the high north, we are seeing increased Russian military activity. To our south, Russia is acting through mercenaries and through the subversion of fragile states in order to promote an underbelly of insecurity for Europe. So this is the moment for maintaining unity and maintaining strength of purpose because these are the essential keys for a better and more secure future for all of us in Europe. At the same time, food insecurity, oil shortages, high prices due to inflation, these are hitting the world's most fragile regions and are having particular repercussions in Africa, where a number of countries are highly dependent on Russian and Ukrainian grain and fertilizers. So we have to be very active in supporting those parts of the world that are most affected as part of a policy of building alliances around the globe. That was Portugal's Foreign Minister João Gomes Cravinho attending the annual meeting of Romanian diplomacy hosted by Bucharest. And with that, we wrap up today's segment. Until next time, from your host Vlad Palku, it's goodbye. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk with me, Lacramera Simeon. Today's program features Flora Carlotto, who will be performing the song Come Over Sister Joanne.
And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next programme for Western Europe at 1700 hours UTC on 9760 kHz in the DRM system and on 11850 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programmes tomorrow at 1100 hours UTC on 15320 and 17670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl.ri.ro. Goodbye. <laughs>